Today is the day that the Lord has made. So let us rejoice and be glad in it. And everyone said? Amen, amen and amen. Well, one thing I can tell you about growing up in the 80s and the 90s, like I did, was that we had the best music back then. Unlike this junk they're producing today. <laughs> and we had the best movies. So when you have a time where you have the best music and the best movies, put them together, and you get the best soundtracks, too. Now, now some of you are going to be like, well, what about The Greatest Showman? Yeah, well, what about Young Guns Part 2? <laughs> Young Guns Part 2? You guys know that movie, that old Western? I guess it's old, from the 1990, about Billy the Kid. John Bon Jovi wrote the soundtrack to it. It had that awesome song, Blaze of Glory. I'll tell you what, as a, as a middle school kid, my life's dream was to go out in a blaze of glory. You know that song, I'm going out in a blaze of glory. Take me now, but know the truth. I'm going down in a blaze of glory. I remember singing that song as a middle schooler, thinking that when my time comes, I want to go out in a blaze of glory. But if you want to talk about going out in a blaze of glory, don't think about outlaws dying in a gunfight. I'm going to point you to the prophet Elijah. That man went out in the greatest blaze of glory, I think is probably imaginable. And today we're going to close up a series looking at that prophet, the prophet Elijah. He had one of the most dramatic endings of all time. But I'm going to tell you today, I think part of what makes his ending so amazing is not just that he went out, as we'll see, in a blaze of glory, but what happens afterwards. So let's take a moment, let's read about it. Would you please turn to 2 Kings chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 9 to 15 today. We are closing up a series walking through the life of the prophet Elijah. So as you're turning there, let me just catch us all up to speed. In this series, we've seen Elijah's faith endure through so much. And that's really what we've been looking at. How do we have a faith that endures? When it seems like the world is going in such the wrong direction, how do we have a faith that endures? And we've been looking at Elijah for a case study on how to do this. We see Elijah's faith lasted through drought, years in exiles, through his life being threatened, through him feeling desperately alone in this world. We see Elijah take a courageous stand in front of the nation and in front of his enemies. His life lasted through wicked kings who hated him. And what we're going to see is that even though his life here on this planet may have ended, his faith did not. Elijah's faith and mission didn't end with him going to heaven. It was passed on to his disciple, Elisha. Because a faith that endures doesn't just last our entire life. Hear me on this. This is the great left hook of this entire series. A faith that endures isn't just a faith that lasts your entire life. It's a faith that is passed on to the next generation. That's a faith that endures. And I tell you what, Elijah shows us how to do this. He trains up Elisha. And we see for years he pours into this man. And, and when it comes time for Elijah to, to be taken away, he knows this is going to happen. And so as they're walking together, he tries, he tries to leave Elisha behind. But Elisha won't leave his side. And that, that's just a great testament between a, 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 a teacher and his disciple. Just that love that was there. Elisha would not leave Elijah's side. And so they walk together. And it's about time for Elijah to leave. And we're going to pick up our story right after they both crossed the Jordan River together. And so, with that, would you hear the word of the Lord? 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 9 to 15. 
When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then Elisha, then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and he struck the water saying, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other and Elisha went over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Let's pray and we'll continue. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, you are the most high and you are the most faithful. You are faithful to us even as our faith wanes. And so Lord, we look to you. We look to you for our hope and our salvation. We do not and cannot look to ourselves, but we look to you, our great God, our faithful Savior, our comforting Spirit. Would you help us here and now, by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, to hear the truth of these, of these words, the truth of your scriptures, that they would not just encourage us, but shape us and mold us into the image of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray these things. And all God's people said, amen and amen. So Elijah had a faith that not just endured his life, his entire life, but it was passed on. And in this blaze of glory, we see the faith passed on. And for me, that's what helps make it a blaze of glory. And as we get going, here's the main point for us here this morning. A faith that endures is a faith that is passed on to the next generation. Again, that's been the, the whole lens for this series, is how do we have a faith that endures in a world of such opposition? And the last thing we're going to learn is that a faith that endures is a faith that's passed on to the next generation. So already, you faithful Christians in the house, you need to be thinking, who from the next generation are you pouring into? Who from the next generation are you passing the torch to that their faith might blossom and your faith might endure? A faith that endures is a faith that's passed on to the next generation. Or, or we could put it like this. If your faith dies with you, can we really say it's a faith that endures? So as we look at our passage today, we're going to pick up three things from the, from the prophet Elijah. Three things that he shows us about passing on the faith. To pass on the faith to the next generation, Elijah models that we must show them a faith that they want more of. We must show the next generation a faith that they want more of. Elisha models that we must teach them a faith that relies on God for the answers, and we must leave them a faith that the Spirit personally empowers. All right, first thing, first thing Elijah shows us. 
that we must show the next generation a faith they want more of. Verse 9, super powerful, super popular verse in all the scriptures. You can underline it if you do that in your Bibles. Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. This is real simple, people. Elijah asks Elisha, what can I do for you before I'm gone? And Elisha's request is simple. Whatever it is that you have, I want twice that. That is powerful. That is beautiful. Church, who are you showing a faith that they would want more of? Church, are you showing people, your kids, your coworkers, your community, your family, your spouse, are you showing them a faith that they would not just want but want more of? A faith they would not just want, but want more of. Because here's my concern. We're showing the next generation a faith not just that they want, but they want none of. What is your heart for the next generation? I'm not preaching right now. I'm asking you. This isn't a pulpit between us. This is a coffee table. And I'm asking you a question that I want you to answer in your heart right now. What is your heart's desire for the next generation? Listen to me. If it is not firstly for them to know the love of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ as they walk in the power of the Spirit, if that's not first, we're in trouble. We're in major trouble. Did you, did you know that the, the vision statement for this church is all about this? Our vision statement for Peace Church is to see the gospel embraced and then passed on for generations of kingdom impact. To see the gospel embraced and then passed on for generations of kingdom impact. Church, we need to have a heart-to-heart for here uh, right now for a moment. In 1970, 90% of Americans said they were Christian. They've watched trends and they projected out a hundred years from 1970, from 1970 to 2070, a hundred years later, at best, 50% will say they're, say they're a Christian. But it's more likely probably around 35% will say they're Christians. So my question for you in the house is real simple. What are you willing to do to reverse those trends? Or let me put it this way. What are you willing to give up to see those numbers go in the other direction? Listen, let me just say a few things. Number one, we will not sacrifice the truth. We will not dilute our theology. And we won't compromise on our morals. But we need to have an honest discussion about what preferences and prerogatives we are willing to let go of. Because the model is very simple. Show them a true faith in God that they want more of. If they can't tell that you love Jesus more than your political party, we're in trouble. If you're teaching them that church isn't church unless we're singing the hymns, we're in trouble. If you're showing them that a citizen of heaven equals a citizen of America, we're in trouble. If we're only talking about what we're against and never what we're for, we're in trouble. If you're showing them that you believe politics is more powerful than the Holy Spirit, we're in trouble. I dare you. I dare you to ask this question to someone in your life who's part of the next generation. Ask them this question. What does my faith show you about following Jesus? And would you want not just the faith I have, but more of it? I dare you to ask someone from the next generation 
who you are investing in, who you know, ask them that question. And you know what? I'm going to be nice for a moment. I'm going to leave it up there. You can snap a picture. You can write it down because I am challenging every person who calls Peace Church home to ask someone from the next generation that specific question and then listen to their answer without judgment. Because the judgment's on you. What does my faith show you about following Jesus? And would you want not just the faith I have, but more of it? Because Elijah basically asked Elisha that very question. And Elisha said, I want twice what you have. Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Church, what this means is that we are to pick our battles wisely. The next generation is watching. So I ask you again, what is your true heart desire for the next generation? We need to pick our battles wisely. And listen to me, if you know me, you know, what's going on in this world sickens me to my core. And don't you think I don't have a bunch of loaded opinions about it, but I know that the next generation is watching and I would rather win the heart of the next generation for Jesus and lose the culture battle than the other way around. Thank you, me and you, sister. I'm gonna say that again. I would rather win the heart of the next generation for Jesus and lose the culture battle than the other way around. And until that becomes our heart's focus and our mission, I think we're on a trajectory to lose the next generation, which is sad. This is sad because what we have is not just true, but what we have is better. And it's better for them. We are the ones who know what truth is. Truth beyond the American context. We're the ones who know what love is. Love beyond romantic relationship. We know what truth and love is. So don't let our opinions outshine our truth and love. Because that's what we are to show. Because to pass on the faith to the next generation, we must show them a faith they want more of. And I know what you're thinking. Or at least I know what some of you are thinking. Because I know exactly what I'm thinking when I hear things like this. What are you saying, pastor, so we can't make a stand? We can't take a stand in this world? Brother or sister, I say this into the mirror firstly, but with all due respect, have you even been listening to this entire sermon series? Elijah was only just taking stands. That's literally all he was doing. Every single story we've looked at from Elijah is him taking a stand. But hear me and be clear on this. His stand was for the Lord. He was taking a stand for the Lord, and his heart's desire was so that the, the heart of the people would turn towards God, not so that they would know the truth about what's really going on in this world. He wanted the people to return to God. His heart was to take a stand for God, for Yahweh. He was willing, as a man, to say God's name because that's how much he loved God. How many men in here are willing to take a stand for the name Jesus and actually say it on the job site? We are to take a stand for truth and love in this world. And Elisha shows us this. And our Lord Jesus, he gave us the mission. We are to make disciples. We are to go and make disciples of our neighbors and the next generation, which leads to number two. We are to teach the next generation a faith that relies on God for answers. Look at verse 10. And Elijah said, you have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. 
All right, so, so reminder what's happening here. Elisha says, I want more of what you have. And so Elijah responds, Elijah, a man so powerful in the spirit, he says, that's not up to me. You need to look to God for that answer, not me. If God lets you see this happen, there's your answer. And before we go on, I just want to take a moment. I want to point out something else here for a second. I want to point something out to you here. Something special between these two different generations of Elijah and Elisha. In this passage, this is the passage where we see the, the torch being passed between these two giants of faith. And after Elijah says, look to God for the answer, look what happens in this next verse. Okay? Follow me. Look to God for the answer. And then the Bible says, they still went on and talked. Now listen, I know for, for many people in the house, that, that's like a throwaway phrase. That's just a filler. But for me, that's an incredibly insightful and powerful statement. They still went on and talked. If you wonder why the handoff of faith was so powerful, it's because they spent time together. They walked. They talked together. They prayed. They still went on and talked. That's friendship. That's mentorship. That's discipleship. And then look what happens. And as they still went on and talked... Behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Elijah was literally taken away in a blaze of glory. This man of such incredible faith, this man of the highest highs and this man of the lowest lows, this man who stood against kings and met with God, he was escorted up to heaven with wind and fire. And Elisha, who loved him like a father, got the answer he was looking for. Elisha saw all this happen. And look, look at his response. Look at how much Elisha loved Elijah. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father. Stop for a second. Stop, stop for a second. Think about what Elisha just saw. Horses and chariots of fire descend from heaven. And Elisha's first concern is for Elijah. My father, my father. That's love. That's love. Elijah loved Elisha so much. How could Elisha not love him back as much? He saw this miracle happen and he first cries out to Elijah, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And then he saw him no more. Then Elisha took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into two pieces because he was sad. He was lamenting. And here's the thing, church, if we do this right, the next generation will be sad to see us go. They won't sit there and think, good riddance, boomers. They'll be sad. They'll be sad to see us go. So don't underestimate the power of love when we disciple and minister to others. Don't underestimate the power of love when we disciple and minister to others. So let's go back to our point. Elisha wanted to be a prophet with twice the spirit of Elijah. You got to follow what's going on here because this is so, so awesome. Elijah still tells Elisha he's to look to God for the answer. But if you know your Bibles, you know that Elijah knew. 
Elijah knew that Elisha was going to take his place. Back in 1 Kings 19, the Lord said to Elijah, you shall anoint Elisha to be a prophet in your place. Early on, Elijah knew what he was doing with Elisha was training up his own replacement. And so when he was asked a question that he knew the answer to, he still told, he still told Elisha, look to God for the answers, because we are to train the next generation to look to God for the answers. Elijah said, if, you see, if God lets you see me go, you have your answer, but you need to look to God. That's part of what we do when we train the next generation, is we teach them to look to God for the answers, to search the scriptures, to pray, and to be patient on the Lord. I'll say it again, to search the scriptures, to pray, to pray and to be patient on the Lord, because that reminds the next generation that we work on God's timeline, not, the vi- not vice versa. Because to pass on the faith to the next generation, Elijah models that we must teach them a faith that relies on God for the answers. And lastly, last thing we see, is that we are to leave the next generation a faith that the Spirit personally empowers. All right, follow what's going on here. This is a phenomenal passage here. After Elijah is taken away, go to your Bibles, look at verse 13. And Elisha took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him. You catch what's going on right there. I cannot overstate the power of verse 13. If this was a movie, this would be like cue the slow-mo dramatic sequence here. We see the torch being passed. Elijah took up the cloak of Elijah. The, the, The Padawan picks up his Jedi master's lightsaber. That's what's happening here. The the torch is being passed. The faith is continuing on. We are sitting here today worshiping the same God because Elisha picked up that cloak. When we minister and disciple the next generation, we're doing our part to see the faith continue on. Verse 13, And Elisha took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him, and he went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him, and he struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other. And Elisha went over. And look at verse 15. Now when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. Let me clarify something here. They did not mean Elijah's ghost is now possessing the body of Elisha. What they're saying is the spirit of Elijah is to mean that the spirit that led Elijah, which is the Holy Spirit, we are to show the next generation what it means to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Do you know what that means, Christians in the house? That means we are to show the world love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, because that's the fruit of the Spirit. You want to know if someone has the Holy Spirit within them? The first thing you look for is the fruit of the Spirit. I know we want to go right to the gifts, but the first thing is the fruit we are to look for. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity, and I fully believe, and I know you do too, that the same spirit that rested on Elijah and Elisha, the same spirit was the one who was there at creation, who was at Jesus' baptism, the same spirit who rose Jesus from the dead. The Holy Spirit is the one who dwells within believers and the church. When people walk in, 
Do they see a congregation going through the motions? Or do they see a congregation filled with the Holy Spirit? The Spirit dwells with each of us personally as he empowers our faith and he dwells with us as a church, guarding us, making sure that we're preaching the truth in love. And if Christians do anything in this world, Christians are to be the ones who walk in step with the Holy Spirit. And when we think about Elijah, I know that we're, we're quick to go right to the miracles or the fact that he stood against tyrants. But do you know what I think the most meaningful part, the most meaningful thing about Elijah especially as we've gone through this series and I was reminded of the story, was that for day in and day out, with every breath, this man stood faithful to God. Whether he was alone for three years in exile or he was standing before the nation, Elijah stood faithful to God. Now that is a testament to the power of the Spirit in someone's life. Are they going to be a Christian when no one's looking? In the Bible, I think we do see the highlight reel of Elijah's faith. But we also see this all stemmed from a faith that was enduring against every opposition. We see a faith that was enduring through the highs, through the lows, through accolades, and through loneliness. And we see a faith that endured to the next generation because it was personally empowered by the Holy Spirit. Church, in your faith, is the Spirit the one leading you? I mean, men, in that heated moment at homes, who's leading? In those trying times, who's leading your faith? It must always be the Holy Spirit personally empowering us because the same Spirit who dwells in us is the same Spirit who empowers the church, who raised Jesus from the dead. Church, check this out. When Elisha returned, what was the first thing people saw? The first thing that people saw was that he had the Holy Spirit. What was the first thing that people saw when Elisha returned? That he had the Holy Spirit. The first thing that people saw when Elisha returned was that he had the Holy Spirit. Here's what concerns me. In our world today, you know what the first thing people see? Is whatever you post on social media. That's the first thing they're seeing. So I'm wondering, is it pointing to God? Is it demonstrating that you're walking in the power of the Spirit? What is the first thing that people are noticing? It should be that we are operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. Is it? Or is it that we're full of opinions? Opinions that honestly make the next generation roll their eyes. Are you showing them a faith that they want more of? For many of us, I'm not sure that we are. And it's, it's no wonder the next generation's not building upon the faith that we have, but they're beginning to deconstruct it. So let me remind us of what we already know. Church, we worship the king of all creation. We worship the one who not just wrote the laws of physics, but who constantly upholds them as he holds the universe in his hand. Church, do you believe this? We are the ones who know what true and eternal love is. We believe that the gospel is truly the most important thing that people need to hear. Do you believe that? Church, be with me today. Do you believe this or not? Well, I wonder, does the next generation see us putting our money where our mouth is? Church, we know the one who's writing history. 
we know the one who is writing history. So why are you worried about the next election? And why are we showing the world that we're worried about it? You think any of this is a surprise to God? Where do you find your hope and your comfort? When we are to walk, we are to walk not by sight, but by faith in the joy of the Lord. And yet we become so disheartened by everything we see on the news and social media. I'm telling you now, faith, joy, love, that's what should be marking our faith. That's what the people should see when they look at the church. So where is your faith placed? Because here's the reality. You don't need to answer that. Your life shows that. Where is your faith placed? You don't need to answer me. We just need to look at your life. And we need to be showing the next generation a faith that they not just want, but they want more of. Because that's a faith that will endure. Because if we are truly Christians, then we are to want and desire a faith that endures. And a faith that endures is a faith that's passed on to the next generation. Can I get an amen? Amen.